Welcome back to High North, the Minnesota Cannabis Report. I'm John. And I'm Alex. And we have uh, numerous topics that we will be discussing this episode. We talked about how officials are enforcing Minnesota new THC regulation, how the Minnesota marijuana regulators seek more public input as they craft industry rules and process response to initial survey. And then we talked about marijuana driver impairment tests. So I have this article from CBS News Minnesota talking about uh, regulation enforcement. There are 2,600 entities registered in Minnesota to either make or sell THC products. And uh, state is going out and making sure that people are compliant with the regulations. Mostly they're looking for the uh, 5 milligram uh, servings, making sure that people aren't going over 5 milligrams of THC per serving, uh, 50 milligrams per package. Uh, it says health inspectors have made about 80 visits and four out of five times they've found something wrong. Um, but the amount of THC isn't usually the problem. It's that uh, people are selling vapes because THC vapes are not compliant. Quote, vapes is probably the most common non-compliant product we're seeing. The second thing that we're seeing in terms of most non-compliant are products we would consider synthetics. Those are not naturally found in the plant. Those are human created. For now, officials say the answer to non-compliance is education. Repeat offenders, however, could face cease and desist orders and fines up to $10,000. So yeah, they're going around telling people, hey, you can't have synthetic cannabinoids. You can't have vapes but it sounds like they're not really doing anything about it unless they catch you a couple of times. Yeah, so I guess just my personal thoughts on this are that it's kind of like the FDA and dietary supplements where there's a lot of dietary supplements that probably are not meeting the scope of what the FDA has put out, but there's so many and the FDA is relatively small So it can't, you know, it sends out letters um, and warnings, but, but then by the, you know, second, third letter letter, you'll just get a fine, uh, which these companies can generally just eat uh, with no problem. The, The good thing that Minnesota has going for it is it's smaller. So uh, I, I think kind of what's happening right now is just that we're just getting started with the regulation entity and once things are in full motion in the next three four five years there will probably be more oversight right and the thing that i think that's kind of interesting and you know weird and maybe confusing for some people is it's legal for me to possess any concentrate i can have wax i can have vape carts whatever but retailers can't sell them um, so it's just, it's legal for possession, but it's not legal to sell yet because those regulations aren't in place. And even certain things like, um, higher dose edibles, even if they are derived from hemp, they, they may be legal in almost every state, but they're not legal in Minnesota. So in that way, Minnesota still has some more restrictive laws about dosages than even places where there is no legal recreational marijuana because they just have stricter hemp regulations. So, um, I mean, it, it 
I could see how even a business owner might be confused about that. So it does make sense to me it, somewhat that they they aren't, um, you know, they said that education is the big thing. They're educating the businesses on it. And yeah, yeah. So they'll definitely be able to parse out who is trying to be as compliant as they possibly can be, but just not understanding and and i'm sure they will work with those people to make sure they're compliant versus bad actors who are only trying to profit if i was a vendor you know if i owned a store and i wanted to sell uh hemp products i know that hemp products are minnesota i can go get a wholesale account from a company out of las vegas that's selling um that's selling all kinds of different uh you know, Delta A, Delta 10 products um, that yeah. are legal most places. I, I can get a uh, wholesale account um, from a company out of Boston that sells THC fl- THCA flour and dabs and stuff like that. I mean, like I, I've had wholesale accounts with these companies. Like I, so I specifically know how easy it is to get this stuff mm-hmm. in bulk. They're not going to ask questions. They don't care because they're not looking at your state regulations. So as a business owner, you're not going to have a problem um what what would be seemingly legal to purchase it and you would assume that you know hey i purchased this legally i'll I'll be able to legally resell it but you can't in minnesota okay so i have an article from fox 9 uh entitled marijuana driver impairment test could be used in minnesota a quote from the article Months after Minnesota's legalized marijuana for adults, the state's Office of Traffic Safety is pilot testing products that aim to help law enforcement officers identify drivers who are high. We're not looking to find somebody who used 10 days or 14 days ago. We're looking for somebody who used within the last couple of hours, said Mike Hansen, the director of the office, which is part of the Minnesota Department of Public Safety. So basically... I think their plan is if you're poorly driving, they're going to pull you over. If they suspect you of being high, they're going to give you a series of um, field tests. And then if they still suspect you of being high, they're going to give you a cheek swab. I think that's awesome Um, because, you know, something that, concern me is you know if uh if they they want to say oh this guy's high and then you go in for a urine test and you fail it and they say oh that you know he's high because whatever like but yeah cheek swab i mean should be way more accurate i imagine so like if they can actually get a legit breathalyzer type thing then I think it'll be uh, harder for them to harass people. Yeah, I I really hope that it works out clearly. I My understanding of the tests are that if you've used marijuana recently, you'll it'll test positive for Delta 9. And if you haven't used it recently, it won't. But I don't know what that recently is. Um, so is it like five hours, four hours? Right. Um, yeah. If, if you, is use... it 30 minutes? 
yeah, if used earlier in the day and now you're completely fine, if it still tests positive, then that'd be an issue. But I suppose too, if, I mean, you know, obviously it's not a situation you'd want to be in, but um, say, say I smoked some weed this morning and now it's, you know, 6 p.m. or something like that. I'm back to baseline, totally sober, and I get pulled over. They, whatever, do the thing, and if, if I test positive, um, I wonder if you can get, like, a urinalysis or blood test to get more accurate reading and then use that in court as an argument, like, hey, no, I was sober because it's under 10 nanograms or whatever. Because mm-hmm. that's, I, I believe that's how, um, oh God, what was, it? I think it's Colorado, one of the one of the states that legalized early on, they had a, um, they had a limit, I believe, for uh, urine, where if it's under like 10 nanograms, then you're not considered DUI. So, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be kind of like where if you're disputing, um, like alcohol intoxication, you go in and get blood tests to verify it. Yeah. And I'm assuming that they're going to use Colorado as a model. Um, and I, I assume that, you know, the Minnesota court system and judges will also be able to like look at that as um, something that's already been dealt with once right yeah these these other states have already set precedent they already figured out how to deal with this stuff we don't have to start from scratch and it'd be like ridiculous to to do that to not take into consideration what other people have learned from doing the same thing the office of cannabis management is planning to circulate a total of five surveys on marijuana consumer and industry topics through next month with the aim of informing rulemaking under the state's legalization law that was enacted earlier this year this is a story from marijuana moment and uh uh i think they only sent out one of the surveys so far but the office of cannabis management they they're sending out a series of surveys because they want input from the people who will be affected by it, um, they want input on the regulations before the regulations are put in place. So I think that's great. That's great that they're handling it that way. And they're not just trying to, you know, impose these rules on people. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So it's it's really important that everybody who listens to this, everybody that you can get that is affected by this, fill out these surveys. Because a lot of the times only a specific type of person will fill out a survey like this. And so only their voice will be heard. Um, so I think it's really important to get everybody and a you know diverse group of people who are affected by cannabis in a multitude of ways to fill out this survey. Right. So um, it says on here, future surveys will look at retail business operations and standards. That survey is going to be... Uh, from December 15th through 28th, packaging, labeling, and tracking systems. That survey will be out December 29th through January 12th, and licensing and social equity considerations, and that survey is going to be out January 13th through 26th. 
but yeah, if you go on their website, uh, you can sign up and they will email you the surveys when they come out. OCM said several themes emerged in response to the first survey. For example, clarity is needed regarding the role of the home grower in the larger cannabis marketplace. Here are the other key takeaways. There is a need for technical support for growers and processors, specifically to teach skills and methods to those new to the industry. There is a high degree of importance to establishing cultivation businesses to supply future processing, manufacturing, and retail market needs. Access to and reliability of laboratory testing and related testing records are important for a credible and safe market. Processing and manufacturing requirements should rely on systems-based control approaches similar to industries like food and pharmaceuticals. Okay, if you go to cannabis.state.mn.us, you will find the Office of Cannabis Management website, and we'll post a link in the show notes where you can sign up for the uh, surveys that they'll be sending out. We appreciate you tuning in to High North, the Minnesota Cannabis Report. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future guests or topics to explore, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at highnorthpod at gmail.com. Thank you.